Manx Made, supported by IOMFoodandDrink.com. Hello and welcome to Manx Made, a new three-part island life series with me, Michelle James. We will be uncovering some of the island's most exciting food and drink products, from salt to rum to ice cream. Let's go behind the scenes and find out exactly what goes into making these Manx-made products. A big thank you to IOMFoodandDrink.com for supporting the series. On tonight's episode, we discover the process behind making Manx rum. And to do this, I journeyed up to the north of the island to meet Ian Warburton-Jones and Rick Dacey, the brains behind Outlier Distilling Company. Based at Balakelly Farm, the duo have spent the last few years developing their sustainable spirits using Manx ingredients. But where on earth do you start when it comes to making rum? Well, journey with me. It's Wednesday morning, we're in Andreas, and it's blowing 60 mile an hour winds, and we're in a milking shed. Yes, we are still talking about making rum. It was a borderline derelict uh, milking shed when we came in, so it'd basically just been used for storage for the past 30, 40 years. So we walked in and it was very much kind of like... uh, borderline Halloween-y, you know, like thick cobwebs hanging down, thick dust on the floor. So it took us a good couple of months to kind of um, clean it up and then kind of, you know, do some very basic uh, joinery. Uh, neither of us are skilled masons or joiners, so that, that, that was an interesting learning curve. Um, but uh, that was coming out of lockdown in 2020. So uh, we have since um, converted it into a working craft distillery. So we've got a small pot still, uh, about 150 litres, and we produce uh, rum, uh, schnapps. We've made a a honey liqueur, um, and we've uh, dabbled with a bit of moonshine as well. But uh, the main thing we make is Hooli White Manx Rum and Hurricane Overproof Manx Rum, both of which are lovely. And I presume when you found the the building, the idea to to form a distilling company was, was there... Uh, Yeah, I mean, it it was Ian who came up with the idea originally because he was working as a uh, distiller elsewhere. His background's in winemaking. Um, And he had met Alan and Rachel and liked the idea of actually trying to make some estate spirits. So, um, you know, possibly uh, growing growing crops here and then keeping everything up until it's bottled um, and, you know, making some Manx whiskey. However, obviously, making whiskey... uh, takes a few years um so we thought actually we both like rum so let's start with rum first so whiskey is still on the agenda uh but yeah some 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 sometimes we bite off more than we can chew where did you kind of begin if you look at your branding it's it's of a certain feel it's of a really distinct cool quirky vibe did you instantly find that or did you have it all planned out was was there a business plan there was a business plan <laughs> obviously we are nowhere anywhere near in that in that in that realms but um no um we we kind of played around with different different names for the company and actually we kind of realized that outlier kind of quite suited us both uh, geographically because you're in the isle of man and you're in the northern part of the isle of man uh so very much an outlier but also kind of philo- uh, philosophically speaking 
we kind of liked the idea of trying to do things a little bit differently or do it our own way. So the idea is because of the volumes we're producing, we don't necessarily need to do things that will appeal to like a broad mass market um, because it's it's currently just two of us and uh, yeah, it's some way before we'll be competing with the likes of Diageo. Um, so um, in terms of the look and feel, the idea was to try and, um, for, for, for the bottles, was we didn't want things feeling like they were too design-led. So the idea is if you look at a label, so look a bit like a picture frame. And so the idea is for different spirits that we use different local artists. So we've used um, uh, Meg Steadhead, who's um, a tattoo artist and done different uh, murals, which you may have seen at Secret Pizza or down in Castletown. Uh, so she's done our rum bottles. We've used Kieran Hannafin um, for Hedge Fund, which is our Manx Schnapps. And we have used uh, Kapalena, um, who uh, also another another very good mural artist. Uh, and she did Honey Bun. And very different styles. But the idea with each of them was um, we didn't want to be too prescriptive. So we kind of gave a relatively loose brief and then let them interpret it. One One of the little metrics for success we have is like, if you go into someone's house who has a bottle of any bottle of our booze, is is that bottle kind of whether consciously or subconsciously, is it pushed to the front of the shelf? You know, is it something on display? And and more often than not, it is. So we kind of feel that's that that's kind of a tick. We we want something. We, we're fine with it being a bit polarizing because we'd far rather there was a thousand people who really liked something we did rather than ten thousand who kind of thought it was all right. Um, and and so far it's it's going pretty well. So, with a combination of Manx ingredients and locally inspired design, Outlier Rum has already made its mark further afield. You went to the London Rum Festival recently. What was it like bringing a product from the Isle of Man to a kind of worldwide rum extravaganza? Uh, Well, initially when you turn up to Rum Fest as two guys who are making rum in a shed. Uh, there's massive, <laughs> massive, massive imposter syndrome. Uh, but that quickly went um, for two reasons. One, it turns out the whole kind of like rum, rum community on, on both sides of the stalls are like incredibly welcoming, incredibly friendly. It's, it's actually a really nice community to be part of. Um, but uh, we found sort of, uh, you know, guys, you know, guys from London, guys from Trinidad, guys from all over were coming and trying our rum and were really impressed. So that instantly took a bit of pressure off. Um, and uh, and then from there, actually, we were getting a lot of um, kind of like bloggers and reviewers who were uh, unofficially kind of choosing us as one of their best in shows. So um, it was a, it was a huge relief. Um, and and really exciting. So I, I think I think uh, Ian and I have slightly different approaches. So I think Ian was really really excited about all the rave reviews, whereas for me it was just a huge relief because it's like, oh god, have we been believing our own hype? No, no. It turns out the run we're making is actually really really good. And is the plan in the future to hopefully expand and and get your products all all across the world? Um, yeah, I mean it, it, it's step by step. I mean we, we we've kind of got two prongs at the moment, which is one is to try and get um, well established on the island um, and we've been taking steps for that and and um, we're, we've had some really good sort of, uh, local uh, support. Um, I'm, I'm at risk of missing people out, but, uh, but people like um, Andy Quid's in and um, Ben at the Ginger Hall, uh, Wes at Jack's, um, 
uh, the wine cellar guys. I mean, they're, they're, there's lots of people, and, and the community does a lot to kind of uh, help people trying to uh, set up a business, which is great. And we've had government support as well from uh, from DEFA, um, and those guys have been very useful. But the next step is the UK, but um, we're in good talks with distributors there. And obviously from that point, it can go elsewhere. But um, I think it's uh, try, try and take it one step at a time. But sure, yeah, if we end up being listed in some cool uh, Brooklyn bars, that would be amazing. Yeah. And what is it about the product or the products that encompasses the Isle of Man? Well, for one, everything is made on site. So obviously you're not growing sugarcane in the Isle of Man. But we import the molasses, which come from Guyana, uh, but then everything else is done on site. So we use water from the farm as well. So you do get get um, elevated manganese levels, um, which, according to Ian, definitely helps uh, helps make the rum. He very much makes the rum. Um, and um, so then everything else is done on site here, and it's all bottled here. And like I said, we use different uh, local artists. So the, the idea is that we wanted to lend on kind of the, the Isle of Man as it is today as opposed to kind of have anything too historical because neither Ian or myself are from the Isle of Man but you know there's, there's a uh, fine history of kind of like come overs and stay overs of which we're, we're now kind of entering that pantheon hopefully. You're listening to Manx Made with me, Michelle James, a new three-part island life series showcasing the island's best food and drink products. A big thank you to iomfoodanddrink.com for supporting the series. Tonight, we're learning about the process of making rum and how you do it from an old milking shed in Andreas. Well, Ian Warburton-Jones has the answers. First of all, what exactly is rum, Ian? Rum is produced from either sugarcane juice or from molasses or from any sort of product of um, sugarcane. Right, so essentially the, the field's quite wide open? Yeah, relatively. I mean, there's a lot of work being done at the minute to sort of put some more legal definitions about it, but yeah. But it's not just rum we're talking about this evening. The outlier duo started with a different spirit. The first thing we made was hedge fund, which is uh, 100% foraged wild berry schnapps. So we pick all the fruit from the farm, from my garden, and from a couple of other people in the area who donate us the fruit. It all comes from the north of the island. Um, that's a 45% clear Germanic Black Forest style schnapps, uh, but very limited quantities, commercially completely not sensible to make. So we, uh, we, the main product we make is Hooli, which is um, unaged, twice distilled white rum. And we are in quite quite a, a windy, um, <laughs> it's a essentially shed. a, a conver- converted milking shed. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, I mean, up here on the northern plain, it can get quite windy. I think it's blowing 45 miles an hour out there at the minute. So, yeah, we call it Hooli. And behind us is something that looks almost like a time machine. What are we, what are we looking at? So this is a 150-litre um, pot still from the uh, Adrian factory in Western Germany. Built in 1994, uh, it's a bamarie still, it's completely heated with wood, so, uh, you know, they could cut off the gas and the electricity and we'd still be making booze tomorrow. Wow, so there's literally no electricity coming through here? Not through the equipment, no. I mean, I always joke, I think the thing that uses the most electricity in the building is probably the internet. Um, we're very 
analog, very stripped back. All of the all of the processes involved with making the booze are heated using wood. What is the first step of the process? Okay, so we buy molasses, which uh, a lot of people on the island will know because you know it's used as feed. Uh, it's a, it's a byproduct of um, the sugar refining process. It's thick, black, treacly liquid. Uh, in the summer, it flows quite quickly. In the winter, it doesn't flow very quickly at all. And that's what we take. So we, um, for each ferment, we ferment in 1,000 litre batches. We take 200 litres of molasses and water from the Len Trench, which we heat uh, in, a, in an old sherry barrel. Um, and, that, and that's what we can see here. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, rather sort of Heath Robinson way of, of achieving hot water without gas. But it works. So we've got a, we've got a, a 450 litre old sherry butt there plugged into a hot tub boiler. Uh, that does the job. <laughs> and, then, and then where do we go? So that, at that stage, we, we make sure it's diluted properly, uh, thoroughly. For that, we use a cement mixer. Uh, <laughs> tricks of the trade. Uh, tricks of the trade, it works. Um, and then uh, my sort of my winemaking background comes in, so we use a, a pretty trick yeast, which gets us a very strong high fermentation. Uh, we've got the right nutrition strategy, so we can really get the most out of the molasses. Right, and where does that happen? That also happens all... All in the that sherry happens, That happens in, uh, we, we ferment in IBCs in our, in the corner room there, which is the barrel aging room. Uh, it's the most sort of uh, temperature steady room in the, in the whole building. Uh, we, we cover the tanks as well so they, they can retain their heat. We, we tend to ferment for 10 to 14 days, uh, which is a very, very slow fermentation for rum. Interesting. Mm. So once we've, we've taken our time, we've got our two weeks in, in through the uh, back room, mm. then where are we at? Okay, so... What we tend to do um, is actually we leave the, the wash on the dead yeast for a couple of weeks and that, that really uh, increases the flavour. It's a process called autolysis um, where the dead yeast imparts flavour into the wash. And once that's complete, then we, we distill it. And then, and then what? And then you distill <laughs> it? So we, we, the still's very small. Um, it's, it's a bain-marie still. So essentially it's, a, it's like a, a sealed kettle on top of a, a water bath. Um, we pump 150 litres into the still, shut it up. We add some anti-foam because molasses foams like crazy. Um, once it's hot from wash, it takes two and a half to three hours to start running spirit. Uh, so essentially, the, it's, it's a boiling in a controlled environment so that the alcohol vapour rises off the liquid earlier than water vapour does. And that's how, that's how we collect the alcohol. So from start to finish, how long is, is one bottle going to take? Two to three weeks. So yeah. It's quite quite a quick turnaround compared to something like wine that I presume are. Yeah, yeah. Um, we uh, we got lucky with Hooli. Uh, being able to sell what is essentially new make spirit is is pretty handy. Uh, most most white rums you see on the market are, are aged for a couple of years and then they have the colour stripped out. Ours is young, fresh, vibrant, um, and, it, and it works really well. And surrounded by various stages of rum making, I couldn't resist getting a bit closer to some of the spirit mid-process. What's in here? What we're, we're seeing a, a big silver, it's essentially a, a bucket. It's a stainless steel tank. Um, so it's food grade stainless steel, completely inert. Um, the thing with Hooli is when, when it's once distilled, it's very, very strong. It's very, like the flavours are too much. So essentially the process is dialing that back so we distill it twice and we carbon filter it and that's what makes Hooli um, delicious but you can still taste stuff two weeks later. What length of time has this been in there? About 18 hours. 18 hours right <laughs> yeah. okay. Well, I was let's, distilling it yesterday. Let's have a smell then. So, there you go. so it's pretty new. Yeah. And, it's... and that and that is enough. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that is enough to knock knock you knock you to sleep, really, well, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, oh, it's right in the back of my throat. <laughs> right. It doesn't get me so bad, but. Um, what you get in there is, is all the components of huli. That strong, grassy, sort of burnt caramel, um, like roasted pineapple, all the cool stuff is there, but it's just too much. Uh-huh. So, we, so we, have to, we have to take it back in order to be able to sell it. Yeah. And listeners will literally be able to hear the absolute huli that is going on. It's always having a tin roof. Yeah. <laughs> it is wild. Yeah. And so you've come to this with quite a background in, in drinks. Has it always been your, your passion, your drive? I think so. I mean, I tried to be a teacher, but I didn't last very long. Um, so I, I did my degree in winemaking in Sussex uh, in the early 2010s and wound up in the trade in London selling wine to extremely wealthy people who never saw it and then moved to the island and here we are making, making rum in a hoolie. Yeah. <laughs> Where's your favourite product amongst, amongst the ones we've got in front of us here? I don't know. I mean... So we've we've developed the the, the the proper Manx daiquiri. Now daiquiri is a very classic rum cocktail. It's it's rum, lime juice, and simple syrup. So we take 50 ml of huli, 25 ml of lime juice, uh, 20 ml of simple syrup, and that makes a great daiquiri on its own. But if you spike it in the top with 7 ml of hurricane, nah, it's a well-beating daiquiri. Yeah. <laughs> Where's this world-beating title kind of come from? Is it self self-proclaimed? Yes. <laughs> uh, no, uh, we, uh, we, we've just been to Rumfest in, in Earl's Court in London. And, you know, we uh, two guys in a shed from Andreas standing in a room with Mount Gay, Foursquare, Chairman's Reserve, you know, all the big global rum producers. And do you know what? People liked it. And people were really keen on the daiquiri. And where would you like to see your products go as time continues? Well, we've just... Um, it's looking like we've just signed a distribution deal with a with a with a big UK supplier, um, so you know hopefully you'll start seeing um, outlier products all over the UK pretty soon. And is this production setup doable to kind of continue to upscale? Or you look you look terrified. <laughs> yeah, it'll work. Um, it'll certainly work in the short term. We will probably just need to bring in a night shift and, and run the still more. We, we we can run the still five times a day pretty easily. If we run it eight times a day, then, you know, then all of a sudden we're making an awful lot more booze and we, and, and we can supply. The Manx daiquiri. That sounds a bit of me. So back to Rick Dacey to talk me through how you would make two excellent Manx cocktails. Well, first of all, I'm going to introduce you to our simple serve. So it's Hooli, Hooli rum, um, just served simply with ginger ale. You can use other ginger ales. We tend to use Fever Tree currently. So 25ml of uh, Hooli and then a bottle, so about 200ml of uh, ginger ale over ice with a twist of lime. It's a really kind of refreshing alternative to a G&T. So if you think about it, it's kind of like more complex than a G&T, less challenging than a whiskey American. So just a really nice kind of flavoursome, quite, uh, quite rounded um, long, long drink. We've got the ice in the, in the bottom of the glass. Exactly. So yeah, so doing this at home is very easy. So ice in, hooli in, bit of ginger ale, and then we would recommend wedge of lime. I mean, obviously better if you've done a blue Peter prepared one earlier, but if not, there we go. Little squeeze, drop in, and then you make a radio presenter try it. So I'll hold your mic. There you go. Right, so it's looking lovely. 
Nice. So you get you get the the fizz, then you get the ginger, and then you get the rum for me. It, 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 exactly. So um, the idea is that it's that it's a kind of refreshing and effervescent, mm. but there's there's that kind of like a slightly malty, licoricey, slightly berry kind of taste underneath to um, to you know uh, give give a kind of more more rounded taste um, because uh, a lot of people have kind of got with their kind of like go-to drink so we're trying to mm. provide a simple alternative you're gonna have this at, at the at the pub at the bar as a kind of on it on its own yeah e- exactly so just at like a, a, a simple serve so my wife is now a converted uh hooli ginger drinker um i prefer drinking it as a daiquiri but i i would quite happily smash a couple of hooli gingers as well super refreshing really nice so next up we're gonna make a daiquiri this is gonna take a little bit longer so you might need a fast forward in a second but you can use a shaker or if you don't have that you can just simply use a jam jar right so all you need to do you throw some ice in then we recommend doing it with 50 ml of hooli 25 ml of lime juice and then 20 ml of simple syrup. So where would you get something like this? So, um, well, simple syrup is very easy to make. It's something you want to do in advance. But basically, you get a saucepan, uh, you get a cup of sugar, white sugar, get a couple of wa- uh, cup of water, so same amount, put it in, heat it slowly until it all dissolves. And then you've got simple syrup. You can leave it in a jar and that will sort of keep for, for weeks in the fridge. And simple syrup is a kind of staple of cocktail making. So, you know, it's just a good thing to have if you want to play around with cocktails at home. So there we go. So you pour that in. Close and then shake vigorously. Okay. So the idea is that when, when you're shaking it, um, it's obviously really chilling all the contents, but also that's breaking a lot of the ice down. So, so you're diluting the contents somewhat, but you also get all these lovely little icy particulates that come through when you drink the daiquiri. So then, simple pour. And there we have a classic daiquiri. Lovely, right, I'll, I'll hand over the mic. Okay. Mmm, so, so different, quite... Um, you get the sourness through on that. Where's, yeah. where's that coming from? Uh, well, the lime, primarily. And there you have it. World-class Manx-made rum and spirits, all from a milkshed in Andreas. Another incredible example of what the Isle of Man food and drink scene has to offer. You've been listening to Manx Made with me, Michelle James. Thanks again to iomfoodanddrink.com for supporting the series. I'll be back at the same time next week for the final instalment where I get to find out how to make salt on the Isle of Man using seawater, sun and wind. That's next Thursday at 6pm. See you then. Manx Made, supported by iomfoodanddrink.com. Add one locally grown or produced product to your basket when shopping. These small considerations can have a big cumulative community effect and support our food and drink producers.